Let's pray. Let's ask God to meet us in the scriptures this morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing Rick and his family and the whole team back safely. And uh, we pray now, Lord, would you come through your word, by the power of your spirit, and would you speak to each of us exactly what we need to hear this morning? We're all different, got lots of different needs, different issues, different struggles, but Lord, your word is the truth for every single one of us. And so would you speak it, and would you apply it to exactly what we each need this morning? Help me as I preach, Lord, give me your heart and your wisdom, and then come and move in a powerful way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7. And if you need a Bible, as we always say, go ahead and raise your hand, because we'd like to bring one to you that you can use this morning. We are passionate here at Mercy Hill Church about teaching the scriptures. We love God's word. And the most important words you will hear this morning are the words that are in the Bible. Okay, not so much mine. My job is to unfold the words of scripture. That's what my aim is. And so go ahead and raise your hand if you need a Bible. Matthew 7 is on page 812 in the Bibles that we're passing out, just to help you out there. Now, while you're, while you're doing that, let me ask a question. And the question is, how many of you are familiar with the golden rule, which says, whatever you want others to do for you, you do so for them? How many are familiar with that? Okay, most everybody, I would guess. And uh, what that means is that all the things we like other people to do for us, meeting our needs, filling us, we should instead be devoted to meeting their needs, being devoted to them, loving them, caring for them, serving them. That's what our hearts should be, right? So now, how many of us have the golden rule pretty well down? Like we've, we've got that one down, we're living that pretty well. How many of us have pretty much got that one wrapped up? Ready to move on to something else? Anyone? Nobody? Okay, third question. How many of us know the reason, the promise that Jesus gives right in that same passage where the golden rule is, by which we can be empowered and motivated and helped to do the golden rule? How many of us know the reason that Jesus gives in that passage? Okay, just a few. Does anybody else find that puzzling? Uh, I, I've asked this question at a couple of retreats I've done, and isn't it puzzling that here's a command that we all know, we all know the command, we've read the command in the Bible, we all need to work on this command, We're not, none of us have this one down, and yet somehow we, we haven't seen in the passage the, the reason, the promise, the power that Jesus says we need in order to fulfill the command. Does anybody else find that puzzling? That is a puzzling thing. And I'm hoping that after this morning, you will feel just how puzzling that is and that you will never again read commands and miss the reasons, the promises, the motivations that Jesus gives us by which he wants to empower our obedience. All right, so let's take a look at what he says. Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to focus on verses 12 through 14 this morning. He says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, Do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few." Let's start with this question. What does it mean to do for others 
what we wish them to do for us. I mean, what, what does Jesus mean when he says that? And uh, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, think of all the good things you'd like other people to do for you. Okay, just think. I made a list here. Listen to you. Anybody like being listened to? Okay, listen to you. Buy you lunch. Okay, I listed that one. Uh, notice you. Care about you. Uh, give you time. Uh, help you move. Right, Kim? Okay, help you move. Uh, go to the restaurant you prefer. Encourage you. Like your Facebook posts. Okay, those are just some of the things that we like other people to do for us. Now, what Jesus is saying is take all those things you'd like other people to do for you and do those for them. Okay, so listen to them. Concept, okay? Buy them lunch. Notice them. Care about them. Give them time. Help them move. Go to the restaurant they prefer, okay? Encourage them and like their Facebook posts. So this is, this is just a radically different way to live, isn't it? See, here's how we usually live. I wanted to illustrate it. Just a little bit of a visual aid here this morning. Here's how we usually live. This empty cup is your heart, my heart. Empty, okay, empty, okay, insecure, empty, needy, needs to be fulfilled, longs to be fulfilled. And what we naturally do is seek to have other people fill our empty hearts, right? So I want this person to, to listen to me. Oh, that's helpful. Thank you. And then I want, I want this person to, you know, buy me lunch. Thank you very much. And I want this person to sit down and just talk to me and affirm me. And maybe I want this person, if you, would you just like one of my Facebook posts? That'll just make me feel better. Okay, so, so this is the way we live, right? We want other people to meet our own heart needs. But Jesus calls us to live in an entirely different way. So instead of seeking to have other people fill our heart needs, he calls us to completely switch it around. So we are called to meet their heart needs. Now, none of us can meet anybody else's heart needs. What we need to do is point them to Jesus. You've tasted God's love pouring into your hearts by the Holy Spirit through trusting Jesus. You know he fills your heart. So we can't fill somebody else's needs, but we can do loving, kind gestures to point them to Jesus so that they will have their hearts filled by him. So what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us to to listen to others. Okay? He wants us to take somebody else out to lunch. He wants us to notice and encourage someone else. He wants us to like somebody else's Facebook posts. Okay? So in other words, when, when you dads are home with your families, what Jesus is calling us to do is serve your wife, serve your kids. What needs do they have? That should be our orientation. Um, if you're at work or in your neighborhood, what, what needs do your neighbors have? What needs do your fellow work associates? How can you love them, serve them, care for them? If you're still going to be going on vacation this summer, how can you meet the needs of those people that you're on vacation with this summer? Okay, so we should be having the orientation of what are those people's needs? What are your needs? What are other people's needs? And me committing to doing all I can to serve, care, devote myself to you, help you, and point you to Jesus who will, will, will fill you. So that's what Jesus, that's how he calls us to live. We are, we're giving, we're giving, we're giving, we're giving. But now, this raises an obvious question, okay? Um, if I'm called to meet others' needs, who's going to meet my needs? Because I've just been giving, 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 and notice I'm empty, okay? 
How's that going to happen? Who's going to meet my needs? Now, some people think what Christianity teaches is that's the wrong question to ask. That's called selfishness. We don't worry about our own needs. Okay, you just meet other people's needs. Don't worry about that. Anybody tried that? Okay, how long did you last before you hit the wall? Okay, that's not what Jesus taught. I love what Jesus teaches. I love how God talks to us in the scriptures. He never tells us to ignore our heart needs. He tells us how to have our heart needs met in the fullest way imaginable. There's one word in this command in in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, which helps us see how God's going to meet our needs. Okay, let's read the verse again. There's one word in there. You might argue this is like the most important word in the golden rule. One word in there which shows us how God meets our needs. Verse 12. So. Underline that word. That's the one. So. Two little letters. Whatever you wish that others would do for you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. I think one of the most important words in the golden rule is the word so, which is the Greek word. It can also be translated therefore. Okay, so here's, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, therefore, whatever you wish others to do for you, do so for them. Therefore. And what the therefore shows is that in the previous verses, Jesus has told us how we're going to be able to live this way. He's told us how we can have our own heart needs met so that then, as our heart needs are, are met, as we're full, we can be giving out to others. So how? Read verses 7 through 11. We looked at these last week. Verses 7 through 11. Here's what Jesus says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Here you're receiving. Yes. Here it is. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? None of you would do that. So if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So who's going to meet our needs? Who's going to satisfy our hearts? Who? God. Okay, now, if you're new here or... If you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ, then you could be wondering, okay, how good do I need to be in order to have God be willing to do that? Just how good do I need to be? That's, I know, I've been bad. Got to make up for my bad. So how good do I need to be to get in? This sounds like really good stuff versus 7 through 11 here. I'd like that. That'd be really encouraging. How good do I need to be? And what does Jesus say? He says, you can't be good enough. It's way too late for that for all of us. Okay, this is the bad news. We'll get to the good news, but the bad news is we have all turned our backs against God too many times in too many ways. And so what we face now, apart from Jesus Christ, is punishment forever. But, just like Phil was leading us in worship about this morning, God sent Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross to pay the punishment for our sins that we deserve. And so the moment that you turn from the other things you've been trusting 
and you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, as your heart-satisfying treasure, at that moment, two amazing things happen. All your sins that you need to be, that you deserve punishment for, they were punished in Jesus. All the sins that you've committed have already been punished. No more punishment for any of your sins, ever, ever, and you're clothed with Jesus' perfect moral righteousness. And so God loves you. He's running towards you. He's delighting you. You're his adopted son. You're his adopted daughter. He's rejoicing over you to do you good all because of Jesus. So don't ask the question, how good do I need to make myself before I can get in on this good stuff? You get in by trusting Jesus Christ. You're clothed with his righteousness. You're forgiven. And then God starts rejoicing over you to do you good. And part of the things he does is he starts to change you. You do become better. Okay, but never does your becoming better earn or deserve anything that God gives you. It's all because Jesus earned it and deserved it. Okay, so you're trusting Jesus Christ. And now every time you turn to God and, and pray and talk to him, he's smiling upon you. Okay, what, what's your picture? How do you think God's looking at you when you turn to him? Okay, do you understand that God's just like smiling upon you? He loves you. You're trusting Jesus. You're forgiven. You're clothed in his perfect righteousness. He's not just smiling. He's running towards you. He's rejoicing that he can take care of you and help you. And so here's what this means for how we obey the golden rule. Whenever you bring a a need to God in Jesus' name, he smiles at you. Every single time. And that's why he's promised everyone who asks, everyone who asks in Jesus' name receives. Everyone. So every time you ask, seek, and knock, he answers. So here's how, here's how this works. Has anybody had a, a heart that felt empty this past week at any time? Okay, let me be more clear. Has anybody had a heart that felt more like kind of empty this last week at any time? Okay, does anybody need to be more bold about self-disclosing here? Okay. I, I try to th- we, shouldn't we be all, I mean, really? Some of you have never felt like your heart was empty this last week? Okay, I think we all have. Okay, we'll talk later if you haven't. <laughs> Tell me. But okay, unless you're like walking that close to Jesus all the time, and you should be up here because I'm certainly not. Anyway, all right. So, so our hearts feel empty. Okay, you know, you know, you can be a Christian and admit that your heart is empty sometimes, right? Maybe that's the problem. You can be a Christian and admit that your heart gets empty sometimes. Is that the problem? Those of you who, okay, we're not going to like, yes, out of here. No empty hearts in this church. No, 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 no. So. Okay, i got to teach a whole other series here. I can tell. Right, we'll work on this. Okay, so now, here you go. You're feeling empty. And so here's how this works. You're all wondering what this is for. You know who this is? This is God. But it's just a little tiny picture, okay, of who God really is, okay? So every time you turn to God the Father and you say, I'm empty, help me. Ask and it will be given to you. Now, that... That may take a little time. I don't want to imply that it's like instantaneous bubbling over. It may take some fighting the fight of faith, praying over the scriptures, praying over God's promises, pulling some home group brothers and sisters together to pray for you, pulling Sean and Danielle in to pray for you, okay? All right, it might, it might take some of that, but every time we seek the Lord, we will find him when we seek for him with what? All our hearts. He promises So you're feeling insecure, for example. Father, I'm feeling really insecure here. Help me. Every time. P. 
peace will come, security will come. Father, I'm feeling tired and just weary. Give me the, the joy of the Lord being my strength. You know, meet me in this. I'm going to go a little farther. I, I don't want to stain my shirt with this blue food color. But anyway, oh, okay, it's really here. here. I want to show you rivers of living water. But anyway, you get what I'm, you know what I'm saying here, right? All right, that's why we had this little bucket here so we can... Here's where the analogy breaks down. Okay, all right. So you see how that works? So that, that's how our needs are met, is that God comes and he pours his Holy Spirit into our hearts through Jesus Christ. Is anybody thirsty? Jesus said, John 7. Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That is real, friends. That's not just something you believe intellectually. That's an experience that God gives you. And it doesn't necessarily come instantly. It can come instantly, but it can. there can be some battles, some time in the Word, some confession. Okay, there can be a process here, but every time, everyone who believes in Jesus will experience rivers of living water. His very presence filling our hearts. He pours His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's how our needs are satisfied. And so that's the point of the, the so, or the therefore, the beginning of verse Verse 12, so, actually read verse 11 and 12 together so you get the flow of thought. Start with verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So, therefore, because of verse 11, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So can you see Verse 12 was never meant to be obeyed apart from verse 11. Do you see that? There's an inseparable bond between verse 12 and verse 11. So, therefore, we should be saying, let's read verse 11 before you read me verse 12, right? There's an inseparable bond. Jesus never wanted us to just grit our teeth and serve others. He never wanted us to ignore our own needs and just focus on others. He wants us to do verses 7 through 11 first to meet him. His love's pouring into our hearts. We're we're experiencing his grace and his mercy. And then we will be able to have the love and the capacity to serve those around us. That's how he wants us to live. That's how we obey the golden rule. So Jesus wants us first to bring our own needs to the Father, to ask God for everything we need. Now, last week, as we unpacked verses 7 through 11, I tried to help you see that, that whenever you ask in Jesus' name, God will always give you, remember, either exactly what you ask for or something even better. We saw that in verses 7 through 11. But now, this is a request. When you ask God to fill me, satisfy me, that is a prayer he will always answer. Now, like I said, it may take a little bit longer. It may not happen instantly, but he will never disappoint anyone who comes to him with that prayer, ever. So that's one you can take to the bank every time, every time. If you seek me, you will find me, he promises. And see, then when our hearts are filled, we'll be able to serve and love and care for those around us. So that's how Jesus wants his command to be obeyed. Now, that link between verses 11 and 12, as I saw that this week, it also answered another question that had kind of bothered me about the golden rule passage. Notice Jesus says the golden rule is the law and the prophets. Notice that, those last words there in verse 12. This is the law and the prophets. 
What that means is that this summarizes the whole Old Testament. Now that troubled me though, because the golden rule, verse 12, is all about our horizontal relationships, right? Whatever you want others to do for you, do so for them. It's all about our horizontal relationships. But the Old Testament law isn't just about our horizontal relationships. It's very much about our relationship with God as well, right? But when you see that the golden rule has that word so at the beginning, which connects back to the previous verses, then you'll see verses 7 through 11, that's bringing all your heart needs before God, being satisfied in him, which means loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first and great commandment. And then that'll flow into verse 12, loving your neighbor as yourself. Does that make, make sense? So help me see, this is how, this is the law and the prophets. Not just verse 12, but take that so and let that so point you back to verses 7 through 11. So Mercy Hill, I want us to get this. Here's how we will become even more serving in our home groups, in our families. You young people, as you're home, so you're thinking, how can I serve my parents? How can I serve my brothers and sisters? As you're in your neighborhood, how can I serve my neighbors? How can I advance the gospel here? It all starts with verses 7 through 11, bringing your heart needs before the Lord and asking him to meet you and satisfy you. Now, here's how Jan and I experienced this four years ago. We had just joined Acts 29, which is the church planting network that we're a part of, and we were going to be going to our first Acts 29 pastor's conference. And we were going to be the newbies. Okay, here's all these other pastors there, and they're all hobnobbing, and they've got their jo- inside jokes. You know how it is. And you, and you show up, hi, <laughs> right? Okay? Anybody else feel that way? Because I was feeling like kind of intimidated already and fearful, and, you know, I'm an introvert anyway and, and all that kind of stuff. So it just, you know, it was, it, was, it was hard to anticipate. And so what did I want others to do for me? I wanted them to walk up to me, right? I wanted them to make me feel comfortable, I wanted them to say, just so great to have you here. Right? That's right? Whatever you want others to do for you, that was my list. Okay? So the only way that I was going to do that for them, though, is if my, you know, all my anxieties and all my, you know, my timidity, if that was taken care of. So Jan and I sat down in our hotel bed before we went into the first meeting and we prayed. And we asked, we asked God, would you let me show you how this looked, okay? And this is not how it looked. Here's how it looked. Okay. If you can get any emptier than this, that's how it looks. Said, Lord, you know, meet us. Strengthen us. Give us peace. You love us. You know, I'm clothed with Jesus' righteousness. Fill me. Help me. Satisfy me. And, and we prayed. And, we said, and then we said, lead us to another couple who, who's brand new, who we can just go up to and talk to. And so we, we walked into the meeting, and there was a couple right over there, all by themselves, looking really awkward, Okay. <laughs> eating their hors d'oeuvres and wondering, is anybody going to come and talk to us? Okay, so, so like, here's, here's where they were. All right, let's just get real here. All right, so here, so here's, here's them. Forget these guys over here. All right, so here's them. And so we walked over and just said, hey, you know, I'm Steve, this is Jan. All right, and, uh, and see, the Lord had filled us. We were able to just connect with them. They were brand new. We were able to talk to them. We had a really good conversation with them. And that might sound like a really little thing to you, but that was not little to me. That was very big, that the Lord could just... And we had a great time. Just had a great time. I remember uh, the pastor at the church I grew up in, Ray Ortland, whose son is now part of Acts 29, but Ray Ortland, Ray Ortland's dad, Junior's dad, used to say, uh, be a... How is it? Be a there-you-are person, not here-I-am person. Okay, you walk into home group, it's not here-I-am, it's like there-you-are. Right? Be a there-you-are person, serving, loving, 
caring. And where does that come from? None of us have the capacity for that in our own hearts. None of us do. This comes from the Lord, filling us, freeing us, satisfying us. That's where it always comes from. So this is how Jesus is calling us to live. We lift our needs up to the Father in earnest prayer, meditation on the word, with worship, fellowship. He meets us and satisfies us, and then we can love and serve those around us. You can live the golden rule if you'll pursue verses 7 through 11 first. Now, at this point, I think Jesus is anticipating two objections. Okay? One objection is, it's hard to live like that. Okay? Another objection is, not many others are living like that. Okay? It's hard, and it can feel a little lonely at times. And so let's raise this last question from, from the passage we're looking at today. Why go on a road that's hard and only traveled by few? These are valid objections, right? I mean, I know we've kind of, made, kind of been making light of this. Living this way is hard for at least three reasons. Okay? One reason is, i got to battle my indwelling sin to want to bring my heart needs before the Lord. This this is a battle, right? I mean, you've been saved. If you're trusting Jesus Christ, you've been saved. Your sin nature's been broken. It's dying, but it's not dead yet. And so your sin nature will do anything. There's times when you would rather, like, do anything than read the Scriptures, right? Right? It's like, can I mow the lawn? I'd like to mow the lawn all of a sudden. Strange. Sin is strange, okay? But that's what it is. There's just enmity. There's still that little pocket of enmity in your heart against God. You've got to fight that. And it's hard. Don't think it's not hard. It's hard. And you've got to fight the pull of the world, which is pulling you to just use people. Everybody else does. You're going to be naive about this? Just use this. The pull of the world is use people, and it's hard to stand against that pull. That's hard. Right? Okay, it is hard. Yes, you can say, yes, it's hard. Okay, and it's also hard because you're battling Satan himself and his demonic powers. Because he wants you not to seek the Lord. He wants you not to receive from the Lord. He wants you not to walk in that outflow of love. So you're battling sin, the world, and the devil. Tell me that's not hard. Does it get any harder than that? So this is hard. It's hard. It is hard. Second objection is, um, you can feel alone living this way. I mean, maybe, maybe you have family members who aren't living this way. Maybe your husband isn't living this way. Maybe your wife isn't living this way. Maybe nobody else in your neighborhood is living this way. Maybe nobody at your work is living this way. Just, you know, one or two or a handful. So it can feel alone. So Jesus anticipates these two objections and look at what he says in verses 13 through 14. He destroys those objections. I love how Jesus does this. Verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You've got two gates you can choose, two, two different ways. Okay, so, so over here, say it's the wide way. Okay, wide, easy, wide and easy. Doesn't that just, just sounds good, doesn't it? Wide road. So there's lots of people on this road. Okay, there's this wide, easy road, lots of people. Over here is this, this narrow, hard road. Just a few people on it. So 
why on earth would you choose a narrow, hard road with just a few people on it when you can walk on the wide, easy road with lots of people on it? Why? I mean, Jesus, he doesn't pull any punches here. He says the wide, easy road leads to destruction. Eternal destruction. The narrow, hard road leads to life. He just goes for the jugular. Right? There it is. Destruction. Life. And unpack what that life means. Try to think, so what will you experience on this road? First of all, you'll experience the Holy Spirit meeting you. I don't want to overstate how hard it is. It is hard. It's a fight. But through trusting Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit, as you battle in prayer and the Word, you will feel the Holy Spirit coming upon you time and time again and meeting you and strengthening you and exhilarating you. So yes, it's hard, but it's not just hard. He meets you in the hardness. He strengthens you in the difficulty. He arms and equips you for the battle, right? So yeah, it's hard, but he will be there at every step of the way. Just like Ernie said this morning. Ernie's word, right? That's exactly what he was saying this morning. So you will have the presence of the Holy Spirit upon you. You will know God's love Know his nearness as you're trusting Jesus Christ. You'll have God as your father with his nearness and his closeness and his comfort and his support. You'll have all of that as you're you're walking this hard, narrow road. You're going to experience assurance of forgiveness of all your sins. You're forgiven. God loves you. You're clothed in Jesus' righteousness. You're going to experience God's power changing you into becoming a more loving gracious, kind, compassionate person. I mean, even my heart is being changed in that way, so yours can too, and it's a beautiful thing when you watch God start to change you as you're trusting Jesus Christ. It's by faith alone in Christ alone, and he works that in us. You will see yourself becoming a more loving person as you walk on that road. You're going to have some sweet fellowship. The numbers might not be large, but the fellowship is sweet. The camaraderie of brothers and sisters who are walking the hard, narrow road, experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, that fellowship is is sweet. And you have the assurance that every step, in every turn in the road, every pothole, Jesus will be there. No temptations overtaken you, but such as is common to man, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he'll provide the way of escape also that you can endure it. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I mean, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's narrow. Yeah, there's not a lot of people, but grace at every turn. Grace in every difficulty. Grace with every battle. Beautiful. And then you have the assurance that you will be at the end of the way with the redeemed in God's presence through Jesus where he will wipe away every tear from your eyes and you'll be experiencing the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells, drinking of the river, the waters of life forever. Which road are you going to take? Which road are you going to take? I say we take this one. Okay, take the narrow one, take the hard one, 
take them to a few people, and then let's bring as many people from this way over to this way with us. Okay, now, what, get some time for a couple of questions. What questions does this stir up? Does it make, am I, am I tracking with the scriptures first of all? Again, the most important thing for you is the book you're holding in your hand this morning. It's Jesus' words that I hope are resonating in your heart. So is what I'm saying tracking with the scriptures? Um, be some questions about how do you live this, how do you apply this, or how about this situation? What questions does this stir up? Raise your hand, we'll bring a mic over to you. Let's talk about this. So maybe another way to think about it is you're, I can't do this, but you're pouring here and you're serving this person and bringing them here too. And so you're bringing them here and then you never need to be empty. Every analogy breaks down. That's, I like that one. That's, that's better. We'll see how we can kind of... Anyway, yes. Did y'all, did y'all get that? Okay, so that's where the analogy breaks down, right? Because what we want to do, and it's so important, you cannot meet the needs of any other person. You can't satisfy anybody else's hearts. You can't. But as you serve them and love them, you'll point them to the one who can. And so we want to bring them to drink of the Lord with us. Very, very well said. Okay, let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Now, some of you maybe are, are on the wide, broad road leading to destruction. Maybe you've never come to the place where you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. And, and I want to call you to do that this morning. Do, do you hear what Jesus Christ is saying? This is Jesus Christ, lived 2,000 years ago, raised the dead, healed the sick, died on the cross, and then he rose from the dead. He's the Son of God, and these are his words. This is truth. A hundred years from now, you will see that this is the truth. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, see who Jesus is. See the prize that you would have in knowing him. He is the prize. He's the treasure. He's the reward. So if if you this morning are in a place where you've not trusted Jesus, you're on the wide, broad road, I just want to to lead you in prayer. You just pray silently in your own heart. But if this is what's in your heart, then you pray this. We want to do all we can to help you come to know Christ this morning. So just pray along these lines. Father God, I, I know that you're there. Just quietly to yourself. Father God, I know that you're there. I confess that I have turned my back on you time and time again. And I see that I face your just judgment forever because of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place to pay for my sins. Jesus Christ, thank you for coming and doing that. And now I want to turn from everything else I've been trusting to satisfy me to put my trust in you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord, as my Savior, as my heart-satisfying treasure. I've heard about how you can fill our hearts. Fill mine now, I pray, with your love, with your joy, with your peace, Fill me. Start to change me. Make me a more loving person. Thank you that by your power, by your grace, you can move me from this road to the other road. So that's what's been in your heart. Come and talk to me afterwards. Come on up and get some more prayer afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. And 
Let me just pray for the whole church body now. Lord, we here at Mercy Hill Church, we want to be obedient to your words. Some of us here have tried really, really hard to serve other people without having you fill our hearts. Lord, I pray that, they're, that, they're, that, that those who have lived that way would hear the good news of what you are saying. I pray for some of those here, Lord, for whom it's been a long time since they've really had their cup filled with your Holy Spirit presence through Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that this week they would be able to seek you, and as you promised, they'd find you. You would fill their hearts to overflowing. I pray for some here, Lord, who have patterns of not being loving in their homes, not being loving in their neighborhood, at their workplace, with their friends. And I pray for the conviction of your Holy Spirit to be upon them right now and that they would see the good news of how you can so fill them that they become more loving. Do that, Lord, I pray. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that you fill us first. We love because you first loved us. Thank you for that. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.